Well, hello, Porch Church. It's great to be with you. Uh, remember all the way back at the beginning of lockdown last March, uh, we had the opportunity, the privilege really of having you all join us. And so I uh, and enjoy having the opportunity to share uh, with Porch in particular whenever possible. Uh, love John Brackett and all the ways that God's using him. And I'm so grateful for John and Melissa uh, and their just long-term service in San Francisco. They know this city. They love this city. Uh, and this church plant is important to this city. So we are here for y'all, and we look forward to really uh, supporting you in any and every way we can. So, John, thank you for the opportunity to share the word this morning with your church. And we are going to be today in the Book of Lamentations. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but I'll tell you this at the front end. I have been learning a lot about lament in the opening months of this year uh, because it's a theme, I've, I, if I'm honest, I have shied away from. Lament seems to me like, cultivating depression and I don't want to go there. I'm really very much more oriented around solving problems, looking forward, figuring out what's next, but learning the value of lament, learning how to really understand the reality of what's happening and who I believe God to be in the reality of what's happening has completely changed my perspective on lament. I see the benefit and the hope of it. Uh, and it's shown me the particular benefit of it during this time right now in the middle of lockdown when there's so much going on. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about lament. Please pray with me and we'll, we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the full expression of emotions that's in the Bible, especially in the book of Lamentations and the Psalms of lament throughout um, the book of Psalms, but also just different laments throughout the rest of Scripture. You are not afraid of lament. You invite lament and you teach us through lament. And so I pray, Lord, that no matter who is tuning in today, that you would meet us where we're at. If we're exploring faith, show us how real you are. Uh, if we are suffering and struggling, show us how real you are. Really, for any and every situation, Lord, show us how real you are. Show us your love and show us your desire to be alongside of us. Help me to clearly and faithfully proclaim your word and help each of us to be encouraged and challenged in the way we need to be encouraged and challenged. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so much of lament is getting to the bottom of what's actually happening. And there, there are many things in life that you just cannot prepare for. As I thought about lament, I thought about like what could have prepared us for a year of lockdown. And really, there just isn't anything that, you know, everything that's happened this year and the, the impact it's had. If you have school age children or different job situations or, you know, all kinds of stuff with relatives and family and our cities, um, often crazy politics and our nation's even crazier politics. Uh, you know, what could have prepared us for everything that was going to happen this year? And then not just the, the stress of lockdown, uh, but sorting through and figuring out what God's calling us to do uh, in a heightened season of attention towards racial injustice. Uh, there have just been so many things to go through. And as I've thought a lot about just processing through this, uh, it reminded me of when I when I went through my son's uh, scuba certification with him. Uh, he's 14 now, but at the age of 11, uh, he wanted to get scuba certified. Um, we had gotten a generous gift from some friends that enabled us to make that happen. Uh, and so they don't reduce the qualifications for 11 year olds. You have to go through it all. And so I knew this could be a big character building exercise. And it had been quite some time since I went through my scuba certification. But here's why I'm sharing the story. As I walked through the scuba certification and watched Ronan do it, I realized everything about scuba certification is designed to keep you from dying. It's designed to help you manage crisis. Sure, it's designed to help you have fun and all that, but from safety checks to your gauges to your oxygen levels, uh, you know, to learning that the deeper you go, the more air you use and the greater stress it's upon you, learning all those things are really a way to keep you alive, 
to anticipate everything bad that could happen and, and to, to understand how you're going to respond in crisis. They do horrible things when you're under the water, like pull your mask off and turn your oxygen off and you have to get back to the surface safely. And they do these things to prepare you. And I just thought over and over again over the last year, how little prepared I was for facing all the different kinds of crises and challenges and struggles that came with with this whole period. And I think the reason I was in particular maybe less prepared than I should have been is because I've shied away from lament. When you go into lament and you you get into the core of it, it really is a way of coming face to face with reality, of being able to voice whatever you're feeling before the Lord. As one commentator put it, that, that lament is really, it could be a form of protest. It, it's always a way of processing emotion. It's a way of processing emotion in the very presence of God. It, it's often a place of confusion. But most importantly, it's not looked down upon. Lament poems, as one guy described it, restore a sacred dignity to human suffering. Human words of grief that are addressed to God. You see, in a lot of our traditions in the West, we think that we can't bring raw emotion before the Lord. At least that's how I've thought about it a lot, that, that I need to kind of just button up, have faith and process it and deal with it rather than have these things. Sometimes you read these, these laments and they are, they, are, they are cringy, right? You get into them and you're like, oh my goodness, can they really say that to God? And the answer is yes. Not only can you say that to God, but God wants you to say that to God. So this book of Lamentations that we're going to be looking at a little bit this morning, think about this. And I've got this scene behind me for that very reason. This is a scene, an art, artist rendering, obviously, of a destroyed city, of a destroyed Jerusalem. Jerusalem went through a two-year uh, siege, and they were absolutely destroyed. And there are just vivid passages in the Book of Lamentations that go into this. Vivid passages that talk about how awful it was to go through it. It, it talks about how Zion's precious children, once worth their weight in pure gold, are now regarded as clay jars and just tossed aside. And that, that, that even jackals are able to nurse their young, but women now cannot nurse their young. That, that nursing babies' tongues cling to the roof of their mouth. That these mothers are so starving that they can't even feed their own children. They can't produce milk. That those who once ate delicacies in fine halls are now destitute and in the streets. Those who once wore purple garments, special royal expensive garments, are now huddled in trash heaps. All these contrasts that are in this book that show us what they're going through. And think about this. In the midst of it, there had been so much presuming upon God. Israel had done its own thing for so long, oppressing the poor and going after different gods and whatever else. But they always had this baseline assumption that, that God would be there. But now their city's been destroyed. And, and the questions of what will God do? Is God gone? Is God gone forever? Will he come back? You know, I, I think he'll come back, but I'm just not sure. And, and what do I do until then? And why did God allow this to happen here? And why does God allow any of this to happen? And, and what do I do until God comes? Like, all these questions of what should I do now come up in the book. There's a great book uh, I'd encourage you to read if, if Lament is new to you or if you just want to learn more uh, by Michael Card. And it's called The Sacred Sorrow. The subtitle is Reaching Out to God in the Lost Language of Lament. And he says these challenging and encouraging words. God desires for us to pour out our hearts to him, whether in joy or pain. But many of us don't feel right expressing our anger, frustration, and sadness in prayer. Our personal worship experience is not complete unless we understand the lost 
language of demand, lament. Another commentator talks about um, missing lament in the midst of your liturgy of life, in the midst of your rhythm of life, is a serious theological deficiency. So this whole book is arranged around five poems. It's arranged as acrostic poems, and many commentators think that was for the purpose of memorization. Uh, Israel was part of oral culture where you would memorize, and, and so beginning the poem with with the, the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, and so on, uh, would help you to memorize each stanza of the poem and understand it and come into it. Here's where we're going to focus today on uh, on Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. It's really some of the only hopeful words in the entire book. It says this, Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. So the, the homelessness word there, which I think is actually a, a fascinating translation, the, the real deeper meaning is, is a, is a position of utter vulnerability. So many of the people that have been hearing these words would have actually been homeless. Their homes might have been destroyed, but everyone would have been in a position of utter vulnerability without food security and without a wall around their city. And they were maximally vulnerable. So remember my affliction and my vulnerability, my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison images of just suffering and pain. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. The author here who is in Jeremiah circles, may have been Jeremiah, but certainly around Jeremiah, is going through the experiences of affliction and homelessness and wormwood and poison and depression, but in the midst of it all, finds hope. And here's the hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Therefore, are, they are new every morning. God's mercies being new every morning. So in the midst of lament, the, the, this poem is finding hope in God. Walter Brueggemann, that's an Old Testament scholar, that's done a ton of great work on, on the book of Lamentations, uh, he talks about how Lamentations is primarily characterized by grief, and this book really should be paired with the book of Isaiah that has that hope that counters despair. And he talks about a sequence of, we, we begin, all of us, with a certain orientation on life. Stuff happens, and there's a disorientation, and going through the process of lament is about finding this new orientation. So he says this, thus, ideology reflects the old orientation that must be broken by realism. Denial gives way to grief as disorientation is acknowledged. New orientation becomes possible as hope overrides despair. So you see, like you, you think things are a certain way, stuff happens to you, reality breaks in, and, and then you deny, you process through, and you're disoriented. Why is this happening? What's happening? How do I understand what's happening? And as you process through, and we're going to talk about this today, you begin to reorient yourself um, around a new reality. And if we can find God in that reorientation, um, and, and this is what we have, this is God's promise to us, that in the person of Jesus Christ, um, God saw to it that, that Jesus laid his life down for each and every one of us, taking all of our sin and brokenness upon himself to give us newness of life, forgiveness and adoption, to bring us back into his family and to teach us to reorient our understanding of reality around who Jesus is and that is a key foundation here for all of us. 
so that as we get to the bottom and the reality of everything we're going through and we're completely and brutally honest, we come face to face with who God is and we see, Lord willing, a picture of God's love for us in the person of Christ. And we learn how to apply that to our current disorientation. And then we begin to walk forward in reorientation. The main idea for today, and it's really the main idea in the whole book of Lamentations and carries on to the book of Isaiah, is that lasting hope requires lament. The only way for me to found a, find a foundational grounding hope is for me to be able to lament and face reality. So first, today we're going to talk about disorientation, what that feels like, what that looks like. Uh, and then secondly, reorientation, how we can find it. So first, disorientation. Now, a lot about the lamenting, uh, we, we really, we look honestly at our circumstances. We really face it. And so for Israel, it was a city in ruins. They thought they were untouchable, but suddenly they were very touchable and their city was destroyed. And so it's very important for them and it's very important for us to process through the emotion of loss. For each and every one of us, there, there's been big and small losses over the course of the, of the last year. Some of them because of COVID, some of them not because of COVID. Some of them just because life is broken and painful. But every single one of us has been through all kinds of stress and struggle in this last year. And we need to provide space, room in our life for lament and loss. Room to reflect upon it. Room to lament before the Lord. Christopher Wright, one of the commentators in the book of Lamentations, says this. Israel lived by memory and hope. The whole narrative nature of the Old Testament scripture proclaims that truth. They looked back to what God had done in their past, and they looked forward to what God would do in fulfillment of the promises that had driven their past and guaranteed their future. Memory and hope dominate verses 18 to 39, a portion of which we just read, but wildly oscillating between negative and positive. You see, as the process of lament isn't just recalling and being fully and brutally honest about what you're facing now. It's also about allowing God to speak into your circumstances. What do we do when we get to the bottom lament? Well, we see full reality for what it is. And then we have the opportunity to ask ourselves a question. Who do I, who do you really believe God is in the midst of it all? As we look back on all our memories and, and places where we've experienced loss in the past, How did God meet us or how do we think he didn't meet us? And did we bring that before the Lord? Did we provide an opportunity for processing that before the Lord? Uh, In Christ, we have complete grace, forgiveness, and unconditional love. But we need to listen and be honest and understand what God's calling us to do in the midst of it. And I'll tell you this, something I also don't like. I love resilience and there's nothing bad to be said for resilience. God gives us resilience and grit as a gift so we can press on and really you know, take hold of whatever we need to take hold of. But God also wants us to take times in our life to, to lament and to understand what we're actually experiencing. Now, for me, I, I, I oftentimes am so forward looking that I don't provide these spaces in my life. One of the things I try to learn how to do through counsel and through uh, different things I, uh, my wife and I have had the opportunity to go through uh, in lockdown, we did one couples group that was t- helping us process things. And the one thing they talked about is how God works through your body. You know, how important it is to listen to your body, to take time to just breathe deeply and understand what's actually happening. And so at the beginning of lockdown, I was experiencing a ton of stress and, or I was experiencing a ton of, of pain in my neck. Turned out it was stress. I'll tell you about that in a minute. 
But I initially thought it was because I was staring down at, at, a, at a screen all day and all day, every day staring down was resulting in pain. So I got a, a special desk that could lift up. I got, you know, a screen that I could orient with my face straight on. And then I learned that that didn't solve a dang thing. And, and I, the more I really processed through when I was experiencing the pain and why, I came to realize that I carry stress in the back of my neck. And that so much more of what was needed to, to, for me wasn't just to try to solve the physical problems in front of me. It was when I experienced that pain to go before the Lord in prayer and ask him to help me understand what is giving me stress. It's manifesting itself in my body. And so it's probably not the neck for a lot of you folks, but it is something. Oftentimes when we're experiencing stress in our life, it manifests in certain ways. And so taking time before the Lord to pray and to understand what's actually happening can really help us find hope and renewal in him. God is not submitted to your circumstances. And neither are we submitted to our circumstances. Nothing prevents you or me from serving God today. Nothing eternal can ever be at risk in our lives if you're a follower of Jesus. Think about that. God has promised us over and over again. Jesus told us that, that of those the Father has given them, he will not lose one. Um, and then the, 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 the epistles tell us in many different ways, things like um, nothing can separate us from the love of God nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, not angels, not demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I think all of us need to really dig down deep and have a Genesis to Revelation, biblical theology of hope, an ability to understand God's story that helps us understand our stories here today. You don't need uh, to hope if everything's great, right? Why we have so many opportunities to learn about what hope and lament are in Scripture is because Scripture doesn't deal with an idealized version of life. Scripture gets into the gritty, suffering, pain, the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys that come with life for everyone. The, the, very, reason, the very real reason that the concept of hope is so central to Scripture is because Scripture and life are filled with brokenness. And ultimately, it's Jesus that laid his life down to take all this brokenness upon himself and give us hope that one day God will renew and restore. But in order for us to really come to grips with what our need is, we need to be disoriented. We need to experience grief. We need to lament. I would encourage you to take some time, if you haven't done so already, grab a pad of paper, grab your voice recorder on your phone, whatever you want to do, and just list out everything you've lost this year, the big things and the small things. List out everything that, that you haven't liked about this year. You know, the, the loss of relationship, the loss of, of just being with friends and family, maybe the loss of holiday gatherings, maybe the loss of a trip you were looking forward to, maybe deeper losses of pain um, that come with death and sorrow. There are all kinds of losses that we are going through and we need to give voice to them. And that voice is the voice of lament grieving in the very presence of our heavenly father, because we know that he loves us. You think about this often, human parents, me included, are broken. We all struggle, but we all strive to provide unconditional love to our children. And there's a beautiful image where when a kid hurts themselves when they're young, they run into their parents' arms weeping because they're, they're looking for that comfort. And somehow as we grow older, um, we need to learn again how to do that in a spiritual way. That when we are hurting or feeling pain, we have the open arms of our Heavenly Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us find our way forward. We need to be disoriented, though, and understand where we should not and cannot find hope. Have all that stripped away, 
bring all of it before the Lord, and then God can begin this process of reorientation with us. Secondly, so we're going to talk about reorientation, which really it's it's bringing these laments before the Lord, bringing your petitions before the Lord, and finding hope. We trust um, not in our certainty about the future. We trust not in our ability to plan for the future. We trust just God. We trust that God loves us, that our Heavenly Father is going to be there for us in the midst of it. And God secured that promise and, and overwhelmingly floods us with that hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you ever doubt the Heavenly Father's love for you, look at Christ lying his life, laying his life down for you. There, there's no greater love than someone that would lay their life down for another. Christ laid his life down for you and took it back up to give you the power of the resurrection to adopt you into his family in a beautiful, transforming way. There's a, a, a commentary I like. I've probably used it before in your midst, but the Africa Bible commentary. And I love it because the, the most of sub-Saharan Africa is much closer to the lived experience of the Old and New Testaments than we are. And so a lot of the trained uh, Bible scholars and theologians there can have a unique angle in on Scripture that I find really challenging, encouraging, and hopeful. So this morning, the, the commentary comes from uh, Iziaka Kulabali, uh, who is a, a scholar and a, and a theologian from the Ivory Coast in the West of Africa. He says this about this passage. Even in the depths of suffering, it is possible to see a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. Suffering may be the path by which God leads us back to himself. There is thus a future for which to hope. This hope should be seized by an act of faith and stubborn will, referring back to verse 21. We need to change the way we were thinking, to make a firm decision about what we are going to focus on. Despite appearances to the contrary, the author knows that the mercies of God have not failed. They are new every morning. However, we need to lock onto them, center our attention on them, and see everything that is happening around us through the prism of this truth. There's so much going on in the passages I read to you and so much where we can grasp onto hope. In the midst of a broken city like the scene that's behind me, in the midst of all kinds of suffering and pain, in the midst of affliction and homelessness, vulnerability, wormwood, poison, depression, in the midst of all of that, the author says, I call this to mind and I grab on to hope because I know that God is faithful. We will not perish. Because I know that his mercies never end. And in fact, not only do his mercies never end, they are new every single morning. That the Lord is my portion and I will put my hope in him. God will give you grace and power to get through whatever you are going through today. There's a beautiful image of God's uh, provision that that plays heavily in the Old Testament. And it's the, the image of manna from heaven, where God miraculously provided manna from heaven but there was, you were only to collect enough manna for that day. God would give you your bread to, to feed you for that day. And that becomes a, a, a spiritual image of nourishment, that God gives you enough grace for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And tomorrow has enough grief of its own, we're told by Jesus. But worry about today and know that God will meet you today. God will meet you no matter what's going through, what you're going through. Um, there's a quote my wife loves from Elizabeth Elliot, um, who spent the mission field, time in the mission field, lost her husband to martyrdom. Incredible story if you haven't heard it. But she talks about essentially this idea that, that God gives us grace for our reality. He does not give us grace for our imagined reality. 
So we can all play tricks with ourselves and playing out every negative scenario and suddenly feel overwhelmed and overcome. And the reality is what's overcoming us and overwhelming us is our imagination, where if we strip it free, we're disoriented, we come face to face with reality and we see God for who God is, then we can find hope. Then we can find our way forward. There is grace for the real circumstances that you are facing today. Christopher Wright, again, in his commentary on the message of Lamentations, he says it more strongly. He gets into this idea of what we need to do to get through things. He says this, It is the deliberate, determined, teeth-gritting decision to call something to mind. It is an action of the will, not a reaction of the emotions. It is a conscious and difficult choice. I will think about this. That is the flavor of the remarkable verse 21, which which though it is not the last line of the stanza um, of negative remembering, 19 to 21, becomes the first line of a glorious positive affirmation and the turning point of the whole chapter. And the turning point of the whole chapter is this, that though all this is going on, I determine to call this to mind. I will have hope because I know who God is and I know he loves me and I know he's with me. You see, we're not after survival in this city. We're after thriving. We need to be pursuing the strategic renewal and rebuilding that God is going to bring to all of us. There is a a, a new purpose and a refreshment that God wants to bring to you. In the words of Jesus in John 20, 21, he told his disciples then, and that carries over to us now, that as the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. We are all sent where we are sent with God's purpose. And we need to understand the engine that's making us go. At the bottom of it, we need to have a deliberate, determined, teeth-creating decision to trust in God's hope. I heard a marketplace leader a couple weeks ago share an encouragement that he's brought with him to all kinds of different situations of ups and downs that he's faced in the marketplace. And it was a quote he heard a number of years ago from from Chuck Swindoll. And it goes like this. He said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. You see, if I know the story of the Bible, I have the opportunity not to let stories happen to me, but to become the chief storyteller in my life and in the lives of others, to provide the long perspective of God's love and God's hope, and to apply it to the uniqueness of the situation I'm in. Things have been worse than they are now. Things have been better than they are now. We need to be honest and face it. We need to lament. We need to come before the Lord with words of protest to process the emotion, with words of confusion if we have them, with words of grief if we have them, with suffering if we have it. We need to come before and bring it all to the Lord and wrestle with it and be honest, but not give up hope. The whole book of Lamentations is struggling through that hope. One more thought from Christopher Wright I want to leave you with as we close today. And he says this. Speaking to some experience, if you're in the midst of lament and struggling, nothing is heavier than one's head when one is struggling. Raising one's eyes requires great effort. Yet such effort is exactly what is called for here. The man takes himself in hand. He makes a decision voluntarily affirming his faith and acts with resolution and determination. And so no matter what you're going through today, you can bring that lament before the Lord. And you know that in Christ, there is hope, there is forgiveness, there is a way forward. There is a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. And if all you can do today is raise your head ever so slightly, however heavy it feels, and just glance 
towards that horizon and see the unconditional and everlasting love of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the arms of your Heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're tuning in today and you're not sure who Jesus is, or you're trying to figure it out, that love and that forgiveness is available to you. I invite you just to pray before the Lord for him to bring you salvation and to forgive your sins and brokenness and to help you understand what it means to be a redeemed and renewed child of God. Thank you, Porch, for being able to have this time together with you today. I pray that, that you will learn how to lament, that I will continue to learn how to lament. And I'm grateful for the partnership and the connection between Christ Church and the Porch. And we look forward to continuing to partner with you guys for years to come and continue to see all the work that God is going to do in and through you. Uh, and we are so grateful for Pastor John Brackett and Melissa as well. Thank you, guys. Let me pray and we'll close out. Heavenly Father, help us to love you and to love others. Help us to learn how to lament. Help us to find grief, but also help us to find hope. Help us to be able to lift our heads up and see that glimmer of light and know that dawn is coming. We pray this, Lord, in your precious name. And we thank you for the, the sacrifice and the love and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the power that we have in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.